Welcome to episode 10 of From Fear to Faith, a podcast series from Desiring Truth and Anna Absalom. Lord, we pray what we learn this week, we are able to apply to our lives in a new way. In your precious name, Amen. I think when we um, <clears throat> spoke last time, we were looking in um, Second Chronicles chapter 20 and uh, seeing how Jehoshaphat, um, how he... Um, when he was afraid, how he turned his attention to seek the Lord. And we talked about the fact that uh, that's exactly what we we need to do. And that God has included that in, in the Old Testament. As an example, Paul will say in Corinthians that things that were in, uh, written in the Old Testament are to be used as examples to us, to believers. And so we talked about how we can take things from that example of Jehoshaphat and use them in our own life. And we didn't quite uh, finish up the account of it, and I'd like to just finish that this morning and then uh, carry on a little bit more to um, to see another instance of it in the New Testament. So we're going to read from Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. Um, they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Amob, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Um, what we see here is that exactly as God had promised, he would um, deliver them from their their enemies. And in an amazing way, they the enemy armies ended up killing each other and, um, and Judah and Jerusalem were um, delivered. And... Um, it was interesting to me what I didn't, what we didn't finish last time, and what I wanted to uh, make sure that we did finish here was that um, Jehoshaphat led the people out with praise and singing to face the enemy. They gave thanks to God before anything had actually happened, and actually that's a key in our moving from fear to faith. Um, we need to be remembering that God is the God he says he is. And our faith, our trust in him is shown before we see his answer with our human eyes. We live by faith and not by sight. So what God has armed us with is all of his promises in this whole book of the Bible and all of those promises specifically to us as Christians in the New Testament that we are to use as um, the, the, the sword of the Spirit. We are to come against the enemy with specific words. And we are to come at him rejoicing and praising our God who we know has promised us victory. Um, that's what Jehoshaphat did. They went out singing and praising God. And as they did so, the Lord intervened and the enemies fought each other. That's how we do it. We come out with praise and singing. We choose to believe the word of God. We choose to take every thought captive. We choose to trust him and to praise him and to worship him. And as we do that, all of our enemies run 
They cannot stay. They must flee. And fear itself departs. Why? Because we have reminded ourselves of the truth of who our God is and that we belong to him and that he holds us in his hands and that nothing, absolutely nothing can come against us except it come through him. There is actually a similar story uh, um, to this one in uh, the New Testament and it's in Acts, Acts chapter 16. And it's about a time that Paul and Silas are um, not uh, initially uh, protected uh, by God from the attack of their enemies, but they are spared from death. And uh, I think it's quite interesting to read. So Acts chapter 16, and we're going to read from verse 19 to verse 26. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison and commanded the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. Why were they singing? That's the question. I mean, they've arrived in this town, uh, they've... Um, They've been preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. People have been coming to faith. They've had, um, uh, they've been performing miracles. God's been performing miracles uh, through them. Um, uh, but one of these, uh, one one thing that happens is that there's a girl who's following after them, and she keeps crying out. Uh, trying to uh, cause disruption, and Paul turns to her and says, "I command you." in the name of the Most High God or in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and the spirit, the demonic spirit in her comes out. But unfortunately, this girl is being used by her owners. She's a slave girl and she's being used to make money for them and so they're not happy and so they cause a problem and Paul and Silas then are thrown into the prison. And... Um, what amazes me when I read through the book of Acts and I read about the early church and how they took the gospel out is that these uh, disciples were not afraid. They were in the worst, hideous situations. This, the prisons in those days would have been really terrible, much, much, much worse than anything we can imagine. And yet Paul and Silas are singing. It's midnight. They're in pain. They're tired. They've been cut off from their traveling uh, companions and they are in the hands of people who want their death. What would you be doing? You'd be crying and pleading with God for help. Oh, Lord, come and get me, please. I don't understand why we're here. But they're not doing that. They're praising God and singing hymns. Why are they doing that? 
because they know that God inhabits the praises of his people and they know that their God is mighty to deliver and they know that nothing escapes the Lord's attention. He knows where they are and he knows what's happened and they had learned that singing is not just a response to something God does, but it is a weapon of spiritual warfare. They had learned, like Jehoshaphat and like so many of us, that the enemies of God, our enemies, are thrown into confusion by the rejoicing of God's people. And in his great mercy, God did for Paul and Silas what he did for Jehoshaphat. He accepted their praise and he made it an occasion for his power to be seen. God uh, sends an earthquake, um, verse um, 25, but about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening and suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were broken. Again, God shows us that rejoicing in the face of fear, in the face of the enemy, is an effective weapon against our fear and against the enemy. The Holy Spirit is our hope against Satan, and he fills us and empowers us and enables us to um, praise and rejoice even in the most difficult circumstances. Um, look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, Ephesians chapter 5, um, sorry, verse 18 and 19. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. I've read those verses so many times and thought, what does that mean about singing and speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, making melody? The whole purpose of that is that we fight the enemy with rejoicing, with songs of praise, with words of praise, with psalms. And what we're shown over and over again in the, in the scriptures is that rejoicing is warfare. David had appointed the Levites of the family of Kohath to the ministry of music. They were to serve in the house of God to bring a continual offering of praise and worship to the Lord. And they were to lead and assist the people in singing to God. And as we saw in Second Chronicles 20, that work is warfare. When they began to sing, the Lord set an ambush against the enemy. The ultimate enemy of all of us is Satan, and our warfare is best done in song. Christ has given us a far greater promise than the promise that was given to Jehoshaphat. God has told us, Jesus has told us, um, that we have life in him, that he who believes in me will never die. John 11, uh, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Who, he who believes in me will never die. Let me just, sorry, I want to make sure I don't misquote that as I so often do. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And, and Jesus says to Martha, who he's speaking to, do you believe this? And that's what he's saying to you and I. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that, and that nothing 
even your losing your physical life does not mean anything because you will live for eternity with him. Here, um, one last example I want to look at. The reason that we should be uh, praising, uh, praising the Lord, and um, the fact that praising God and rejoicing is our uh, spiritual uh, uh, means of warfare. Psalm three. That's a psalm of David when he's running from Absalom, his son. He's running because his son is trying to kill him. David has um, not handled a situation with Absalom too well, and this is the time when his son is trying to take the throne of Israel for, from him, and he's being forced to run for his life. And I just would like to, it's only eight verses long. O oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves around against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. As I said, I think um, King David um, headed up uh, what was actually quite a dysfunctional family. And um, uh, when you read through the books of Samuel and First Kings, you can see that he was a man who sinned. Uh, he committed adultery and murder. He favoured one child over another, turned a blind eye when his daughter was raped by one of his sons. He's not the sort of person that you or I would ever have chosen to be king. But God looks at the heart. And he had called David a man after my own heart because David was a man who always turned back to his God and who was always aware that his sin was against God. You can read about that in Psalm 51. God, David knew God and he trusted him. And although he had made many mistakes and although his life was far from perfect, he knew that God always listens when we turn to him in repentance and faith. Here in Psalm 3, we can see what this meant to him practically. He knows that his enemies are rising up against him, that they're saying God is not going to deliver him. And I can see why he might have thought this. David is not a perfect example of a righteous man. He's not the pure and upright man we would have chosen to be king. And he's made big mistakes and failed miserably many times the circumstances he's in at that moment look as if God has indeed turned his back on him and so his enemies feel free to say that God can't possibly deliver this man who has sinned so much against him and how many times we think that too how many times we are tempted to think that we've messed up too many times we failed we haven't done what God wanted to do and when we're facing the consequences we think that in those consequences God has left us to go it alone. How many times do we find ourselves in circumstances not of our own making, which sometimes seems so overwhelming that it looks like God has forgotten us? How many times do we let the enemy come in with his fiery dart of fear and then let him to let him let him cause it to burn through our mind until we're full of anxiety and full of despair? How easy it is for us to fall into the trap of believing that God is not who he says he is or that we have somehow done the unforgivable and caused him to turn from us. 
But David stands firm here. He knows his God. He knows that though he is in a desperate position, though the circumstances look bleak, though he cannot find his way out of it, though in many ways he is to blame for the situation he's in, he knows his God and he trusts that God is all he needs. Look at what he says, verse 3. You are a shield about me. You are my protector. You are the one who stops the arrows of the enemy. You are my strong tower. You have promised and you never change. Peter will tell us the same thing in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. It's one of my favourite passages in the whole of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You and I are protected through faith by God. David knew that and we can know it too. David knew that in the midst of terrible situation and circumstances when it looked to all about him as if he were lost, as if God had forsaken him, David clung to the truth about his God. You have promised. Therefore, it is so. You, O oh God, are the shield about me. No matter what is happening, no matter what it looks like, you are protecting me and you will deliver me. You are my glory and the one who lifts my head. You are my honour. You are my splendour. You are all that is good about me. And to you I bow in grateful thanks and worship. You lift my head. David knew that God was the one who had crowned him king of Israel and would exalt him again. God would cause him to rise up and defeat his enemies and to be back in the position which God had placed him in. Do you remember that? Do you remember where God has placed you? Look at Ephesians chapter 2, um, uh, verse, um, let's see, verse 4 to 6. Ephesians um, chapter 2. Verses four to six. Sorry, just. Uh, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God has raised you up with Christ Jesus. Have you put your trust in him? Then you are in him, seated in the heavenly places. What are you afraid of? What can hurt you? What can cause you to fall. You are already seated with Christ Jesus far above all rule and authority and every name that is named. And uh, what can Satan do to you? Only throw accusation and lies and, and try to deceive you to steal your joy and take the truth of all that you are and all that you have in Christ Jesus. David said he was crying to the Lord with his voice. He was praying aloud and calling out to God, knowing that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And what happened? In verse 4, God answered him. God always answers the prayers of those who call upon him in truth. David cried out to God and he answered. And the result for David? He could lie down and sleep. David trusted God's word. He stood on it and he spoke it aloud. He spoke it out and let its power sustain him. 
David says God sustained him in verse 5. And that is what he will do for you and I if we let him. He will accomplish what concerns us. He will speak words of power and truth and love and joy into our hearts and minds. And he will cause us to know that his perfect love drives out fear. Look at David in verse 6. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. No matter what comes against me, I will not fear. Why? Because you are my God, the protector, the sustainer, the one who is my shield and the lifter of my head. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He alone saves, he alone delivers, and his blessing is upon his people, and that blessing never fails. Psalm 3 is a psalm for you and for me. It is a psalm for people who know their God. We can turn to him in times of trouble knowing that he is more than able, knowing that he is the rewarder of anyone who seeks him, knowing that he has promised to act on our behalf. Now, at the end of, I think it's 10 sessions on this uh, podcast series of From Fear to Faith, won't you decide to do that? Won't you start practicing in advance? Start practicing the rejoicing. Start practicing by meditating on and learning and memorizing some of these promises of God that you find in the New Testament particularly. Start to practice them, to recite them aloud to yourself so that when the enemy comes with whatever he comes with, you are ready with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Resolve to be a person of the word. Be a person who knows their God. Be a person who stands on his promises, a person who is being changed by his spirit, and a person who has decided to live in the victory of Christ Jesus. Father, at the end of this series, I thank you so much that we've been able to go through your word and look at all of this. And I pray, Lord, that you will remind us of it. You'll keep taking us back to these words and these promises and that we will indeed ask you to burn them on our hearts so that they are there when we need them, there when we need to fight back. And Father, I pray that you would help us to see that absolutely nothing that comes against us has come without your knowledge and that you are telling us only to stand and see your deliverance, that these battles are yours in essence, and that all we need to do is to go out with praise and singing and trust the promises that you have made to us. So Father, we want to say we thank you. I thank you for this word. I ask you to help me to love you better, to serve you better, and to live for your glory. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our website at desiringtruth.org.uk for more information on events and series like this. God bless.